We're taking a mother and an android to reach boiling point at 355. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect, and this is Off Screen, your seven day guide to everything movies. Boom. Welcome to Offscreen. Welcome to a new year. We're excited to keep you cinematic in 2022. And you know what? We've got some corkers for you on the big screen, the small screen and everything in between. So happy new year and happy film watching. Van, happy new year to you. (laughs) Happy new year to you as well, Bex. The pandemic rages on. Western democracy (laughs) lies in tatters. But let's talk some films. And you know what? (laughs) And we've got a streaming one to kick us off this week because what says the current state of film? Quite like a movie that goes to streaming. And the weird one with this one is it seems like kind of a retread of a very similar film starring the exact same actress that happened exactly five years ago and did nothing on theatrical. So let's talk about Mother Android, which I think you've seen as well. Yes, I have. So it's uh, it's an interesting scenario that you're faced with the moment this film starts. It's kind of, <laughs> it opens up with Chloe Grace Moretz having found out that she's pregnant um, in the toilet with her partner. And they are at a house party where the, where, where the servant or the server is actually an android and um, a very humanoid android, should we say. And he's walking around, he's very almost stereotypical. Yes, sir, no, sir, of course, what can I get you, sir? Mr Belvedere type, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. And they're all having a very jolly nice time. And then all of a sudden, you see that the screens and the lights go a little bit shaky and there's this weird loud noise. And suddenly, the androids are on the loose. And you're stuck in a world where actually it's almost as if Skynet's taken over. You're running into 28 days later, and it all goes awry. You ever hear of Carl Chopik? Is that you? No. He was a writer. Check. In 1920, he wrote a play. Osumobis Universalni Robotti. And what does it have to do with anything? Play introduce the word robot to human language. It ends with our extinction. We knew it was coming the second we gave it a name. So it's not been long since, I think it's five years since we had, uh, was it the fifth wave? Do you remember the fifth wave? No, I was wondering what you were talking about with that film five years ago. Back in the mid-2010s, when studios were falling over themselves trying to churn out these YA-appealing sort of Mm. uh, fantasy, sci-fi fantasy thrillers, and it was off the back of Twilight, which itself had come off the back of the the popularity of Harry Potter, but off the back of Twilight, studios started going after the, 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 the teen crime. Um, kind of like what happened after Scream with horror and a teen horror and this time around we had Chloe Moretz taking a stab with an alien invasion one where she was forced into the woods and she was and they had to lead the insurgency it was was very sub-maze runner very mortal instruments very you know what I mean you know all those YA adaptations that we got all in Mm -hmm. a row and the weird thing is she did that one that was very very similar to this. This is again Chloe Moretz in the woods, sort of a YA vibe going on because she's clearly meant to be like sort of college age. I think she and her partner Algie Smith are meant to be sort of college age yeah. kind of thing. And and you had this survival uh, survival of the fittest through the woods take on the evil menace. Then it was aliens, now it's it's AI. The film doesn't quite work for the most part. It, there are times when it really does, and it's noticeable that when it gets to the interiors, it mm-hmm. really works. 
when it's exterior and they have to rely on, for instance, visual effects that they don't have the budget for, or they have to create scope and grandeur, they can't quite cut it. But some of the internalized scenes do work. Some of the interior stuff do work. And even then, though, it does come with a caveat, which is this feels like what would happen if you gave a copy of Cormac McCarthy's The Road, which you'll remember 12 years, 12, 13 years ago now, made for a really, really good, but really, really bleak Viggo Mortensen mm. movie. You gave that source material to a 12-year-old girl and said, right, what would you want us to make out of this? You might come up with something quite close to Mother Android, albeit if you then passed it through studio executives who micromanaged every stage of it. It is um, feature directorial debut for Matson Tomlin, mm. who's the uh, screenwriter of The Batman with uh, Matt Reeves this next year. And the funny thing is that on the poster for this, it does say, loud and over, above even Chloe Moretz's name, does say, from a producer of The Batman. I mean, which does is Chloe, depressing. Does, yeah, does Chloe Moretz's name really hold much weight anymore? I mean, this is quite interesting. I'm not sure she's where she used to be mm. in the days where she was dating Brooklyn Beckham. Um, but but uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting movie because if she's made a choice very similar to this before and it mm. tanked at theatrical, it's interesting to see that she's made a similar choice again. For me, you hit the nail on the head with budget. It yes. doesn't feel like there is enough budget to do this movie, What the justice that its, its director wants it to do. And that's the Gen biggest problem. Genuine question, because I know you're not necessarily a fan of the show, but you will have seen enough from advertising and clips and things to, to, to be able to answer this. Did this feel at any point to you like this wasn't even up to the production grade, for instance, of The Walking Dead, which this does ape a lot of oh, times? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, when I said, you know, when I said that it kind of feels like a bit 28 days later, now think about 20 years mm. ago when 28 days later was made. Ooh, revolutionary. Yeah, exactly. But the the woodland. So so basically, what happens in this movie is, after that scenario in the house, you very quickly move into a, a, nine months later, where she's about to give birth, <laughs> yeah. and she finds herself having camped in the woods for years. And the rest of the movie, or the majority of the rest of the movie, is her doing quite actiony stuff in woods and and broken down old houses. Nine months pregnant. She's the most active nine month pregnant person I've ever seen in my life. I was I was just going to say that there, there was a point where they say, you know, you're due in a, you're like due in a few weeks. You may as well stay she around. She was overdue. She was overdue. Most active pregnant woman you've ever seen in your life. It's, the thing is, it's not terrible. It's just really rote. It's not and interesting. Really worn, and that's it. You've just seen this done to death. There's nothing that's going to surprise you, and the plot mechanics and the twists and the shifts in it are all very predictable, yeah. which does lead me on very nicely to our next film, which suffers from another very similar case of here are all the twists, but boy are you going to see them coming. New movie from Simon Kinberg. This one is theatrical. This is a theatrical exclusive for at least 45 days because it's universal. Then it goes on Peacock and presumably our platforms as well. The 355, the latest Kinberg genre production. This is the all-star girl team-up actioner for lack of a better. I'm reasonably sure when before they titled it, when they just had the working title on a script, like they had untitled Sandra Bullock, Melissa McCarthy, Buddy Cop, female comedy that became the heat. I'm oh. reasonably sure this will be the same thing. Are you talking that... about widows or are you talking about... <laughs> 
<laughs> Ocean's 12. Exactly. <laughs> what are we on about? But, but that's the thing. You're getting ahead of me in the review because I'm going to make that point in a minute. But this is <laughs> this is it. So what you've got effectively is sort of riff on Six Underground. Except here you've got spies, female spies from different agencies around the world who have to team up against you know their over you know overlooking their personal grievances, their rivalries, etc. When the skeleton key to the internet falls onto the black market. Said team being led by Jessica Chastain, Diane Kruger, who stepped in to replace Marianne Cotillard, by all accounts, because there is marketing for this that has Marianne Cotillard on it at times, um, scene stealer Lupita Nyong'o, and we haven't seen her for, for, for a minute, so it's nice to see her back, Penelope Cruz, as oh. the world's most action-friendly psychologist. Here's a little snippet for what you're in for. Come on, go ahead. Pull the trigger, kill each other. Listen, I get it. You keep botching each other's ops. I'd be off too, but the only way we're gonna accomplish anything is if we join forces. Are you crazy? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. We have a common enemy. I'm just suggesting you lower the guns long enough for us to sort this out and get on with it. Who are you? Khadija, MI6. Marie, you've met Mace. How do you know my name? We're spies. When you started describing this, I immediately <laughs> went, yawn, seen it all before. I mean, is there no original content out there? Is this like rinse and repeat in 2022? This is so generic. And, and the thing is, it, when we came out the screening last night, they, they did, uh, the word banded around was generic. Everyone, everyone did seem to say, this is really generic. It's fine, but it's generic. Oh, it's pretty good, but it's generic. And, and that seems to be, that's the caveat that everyone comes back with. It's generic. Um, it's perfectly fine for what it is, but as you just say, yawn. You have not. You've seen this before. Um, <laughs> there are different angles to come at this, and it doesn't come off well in any of them. If I'm being really honest. So first and foremost, this plot you've seen done to death. This plot, point for point, goes back to the original, the first Mission Impossible movie. Hilariously oh enough, because. And that's the weird thing, because I'm sat there thinking, which of these cast members have been in a Mission Impossible movie? And then you, you look into the backstory of this, and the story apparently goes that during production of the X-Men Dark Phoenix, which Simon Kinberg directed, Jessica Chastain, who was playing the villain in that one, turned around to him on the set and said, why don't you do something like Mission Impossible for girls? Oh, and so God. what they've done is literally evidently gone. She's a producer on this, it's worth noting. She's a hands-on producer. They have literally gone and gotten the script for the first Mission Impossible movie and just gender-flipped the whole thing. It's the same movie! Literally, except it's got one sequence that seems to have been lifted wholesale from Ocean's 8. So you're literally getting the nail on the head when you make these comparison points. It's also the second movie I've seen in six weeks, the last one being Clifford the Big Red Dog, that falls into the realm of being a mainstream Hollywood blockbuster that feels the need to not only crowbar in an absolutely nauseating volume of pandering to Chinese uh, audiences, but also going so far as to have the whole thing overseen by a mythical, benevolent Chinese billionaire. This has become the new deus ex machina of American cinema. If you need someone to get you out of things, just have a Chinese billionaire friend who happens to be the nicest, most charitable man in the universe. And it's always a man, incidentally, as well. That's the other thing you notice, because, you know, female-friendly movie, villains, large, nearly all men, and then 
you've got this this one good guy who happens to be the benevolent Chinese billionaire. But why didn't they get someone like Maggie Q or you know Michelle Yeoh or someone that, to to play yeah. that? Right. That's the thing. Would Michelle Yeoh have not made the greatest Chinese? Anyway, yeah. beside the point. If if you're going to see this, you're going to see this on the same level as something like Jason Bourne, not mm. the Bourne identity, not the Bourne ultimatum on the. You're going to see this as Jason Bourne. That, that's about the level you're going for. It's not six underground, it's literally five underground. <laughs> and point for point, it looks and feels exactly the same. And you know what? That was generic as hell as well. Welcome back to Off Screen. So we are keeping you on the big screen in 2022 and we're keeping you to a point where you might reach the boiling point. Yep, that is our next film. Oh, sorry, that was a terrible segue. But I, want, I have to say, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about this movie because it stars Stephen Graham, it stars Jason Fleming, um, and it is the story, it's an interesting one actually, it's the story mm. of a restaurant kitchen chef, head chef played by Stephen Graham, who is trying to keep himself and his team together on what seems like the busiest night of the year in the lead up to Christmas. Such a buzz in this place, it's yeah, great. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's busy. Huh? It's busy tonight, yeah, very busy. I'm busy. We're yeah, super busy with the uh, TV stuff and everything, it's gone mental. But, I mean, it? yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, the show's rocketing. Yeah, I saw one episode. Not the only one that saw one episode. There's seven million, seven million people watch it, so you know, full series. <laughs> Must be doing something right. Yeah, no. This menu is, is, is. I could, I recognise all of this stuff. I mean, this is, this is, this is all my dishes. I mean, I love the way it's on a bit of paper, but there's the uh, the duck with the soy. Yeah, that was my dish. So this is an adaptation, apparently, of uh, of a short film that also starred Stephen Graham. So the, the, the story that goes here is that Philip Barantini, who's written and directed this, um, was an actor, had started out as, you know, jobbing actor, and he'd gotten roles in things like uh, Band of Brothers once upon a time. Oh, you know, okay. every every British actor alive, it seems, <laughs> was in Band of I, I think you, you're nobody on the British acting scene, I think, unless you had that, that at if least a If you're a certain line. age. If you're a certain age, if you if you were like oh, you know a white man between about like sixteen and sixty, and you were <laughs> acting around the year two thousand, you were in Band of Brothers. That was the rule. That's how it worked. Philip Barantini was one of them, and I think did Stephen Graham turn up in that? I'm not sure, but he was in Snatch around the same time, so it's entirely possible that he was. But um, they were friends. They knew each other from acting from the acting scene, and um, Barantini wanted to go into directing and start that, and turned to Stephen Graham and said, "Would you would you do this short film for me?" He said, "No." He went away, made the first film, showed Stephen Graham, and Stephen Graham said, cool, what else you got? And he came up with this idea for a short film that would then get expanded and become Boiling Point. The pair of them made the um, the short film together. And then years later, based on the strength of that short film, have gone and expanded it into a full film. This has been made using another friend's restaurant. And I think this is, this is the actual Andy Jones, because the character is Andy Jones, and there is a real Andy Jones as oh, well. Right. And this is actually his restaurant, apparently, that they have, um, they have taken over for a weekend I think they took over, sorry, during the week before it opened. 
So they literally got the run of this place. They got to deck it out for Christmas in March, and they did this thing. It's designed to look like a one like a single shot. Yes. And it's played as if it is a free-flowing, energetic stage. But it's very Birdman at mm. times. It has something of a less cerebral, more traumatically charged Birdman yes. with Stephen Graham. And now, Stephen Graham is an actor that you and I know above all else can, can more than handle this. I mean, his work the last few years, Line of Duty, he got a lot of plaudits for as well. I tend to think of him as someone who shows up in really bad bad movies like Hellboy and then turns out to be the best thing in them, yeah. like nearly yeah. always. And of course, he'll always be Tommy from Snatch to me. But here he's, this is arguably, I think this is the meatiest role he's had today. And there's a great yeah. supporting cast in there. I'm trying to look up the name of uh, his supporting head chef. But as you pointed out, uh, Jason Vinette. Fleming. Jason Fleming's in that. Um, Vinette uh, Robinson plays his, his sous chef in yeah. it, um, who is holding the, the kitchen together even more than he is. So basically, mm. Andy Jones, his character in this, is falling apart a little bit in his day, day-to-day life, which has a knock-on effect of his responsibilities within the kitchen. So mm. he makes rookie errors, and, and, and it, it's such a... What I like about this and why it captures your attention right from the beginning is it you can almost relate to this, right? And this scenario. So you've got a health and safety guy that's in in the first, uh, in the yeah. first like 10 minutes. If you, who is the most if you want pedantic, to make people relate. Yeah. Yeah. You've got, you've got like the most pedantic, annoying, sarcastic, in your face uh, health and safety te- test uh, checker. And you've got Stephen Graham's Andy, uh, Andy mm-hmm. Jones, who is just, he's had enough and the shift hasn't even started yet. And when you say the t- title of the movie is Boiling Point, you mm. feel like you're on the edge of his boiling point throughout the entirety of this movie. And the great thing that Stephen Graham does is he never quite tips over the edge because when he realizes that a lot of the fault is his, he's the first to apologize. And so you kind of have this like constant like, oh my goodness, is he just gonna absolutely fall apart or is he gonna pull it together? And the team around him is experiencing their own kind of boiling point. So you have these really interesting dynamics between the kitchen staff, the waiting staff, the um, front of house lady um, and the sous chef. They they have a real tete-a-tete in this, which I think is really a really great piece of acting from both sides. And, and you realize that all of them have their own problems. And then on top of that, you have this secondary layer of amazing support cameo roles in some, <laughs> like for instance, you have Jason Fleming, who is a frenemy of Andy Jones. So he's another You describe chef. him as a friend of me, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a chef who's just got, like, he just picks at him and it's really frustrating and you can see that boiling point hitting again. And then for the waitresses, you have tables of just, well, firstly, there's a despicable table of, of customers who are mm. inadvertently racist and having to deal with one of their one of the waitresses um, who who comes along unseemingly and has to kind of just put up with them and it makes my skin crawl and that's <laughs> what keeps you absolutely glued to the screen on this that's a thing as well now just just uh, personal side have you ever actually worked in a, a restaurant or yes. service so this is the thing if you've got had even a day of doing that yeah. the minute you start watching it's like yeah okay that that this this definitely brings back the PTSD yeah. Um, when you said that about the, there is that's one flaw I will give the film incidentally. When they get to the customers, there is um, an element of there's a social media element introduced that oh, God, does yeah. distinctly feel like it was written by a man in his late forties. Yeah, it, it really does feel like that's that's a man in his late forties who like put it this way. I mean, 
I, I, I would never claim to be a social media aficionado, but I would describe myself as more current than what this film would depict, and I am way, way behind, as teenagers tell me very often. Um, going back, because we, we were looping this back to films we were discussing earlier, Jason Fleming, we didn't get to mention, was is also like the, uh, the, the chief villain of the 355, so he does get to turn up, thanks to theatrical release uh, shuffling, does get to turn up as the villain of two movies opening in cinemas this week. Also, because you mentioned 28 Days Later when we were talking about uh, Mother Android um, Ray Pantaki who plays yes. the secondary the secondary, secondary chef, chef not, yeah. yeah the second head chef as very it passionate about his yeah. food and yeah like he has a he's bit the of a, cool one isn't he he's, he's the cool one yeah he's the cool yeah. one but he knows he's good at his job mm. and then for instance there's a scene there's a, a moment where a customer sends back the lamb because yes. they say it's they say it's not cooked <laughs> enough and he just <laughs> he reaches his own it. boiling point <laughs> how you cook it, yeah. but he what was a soul is. he was one of the soldiers in 28 days later so this yes. does sort of keep looping back on us i like but, ray patanki i think he's a really good actor and he pops up in small but meaty roles in a lot mm. of british movies and tv we shows keep, we keep saying meaty a lot in relation to this <laughs> restaurant movie um, it made me hungry <laughs> It did be some of those. Some of those dishes look really good. Um, Vinette Robinson, as you point out, uh, scene stealer in this. Um, she actually won the Biffa for Best Actress, I think, for this. Uh, this movie got nominated for eleven British Independent Film Awards, right. and actually, and actually took home four. So, which does make me wonder if we're going to hear about this again when it rolls. Not so much, obviously, international awards, but I think when we roll around to BAFTAs. Mm. I think yeah. we're going to see this. And did Supernova have its time yet? Or have we still got that role? It has come? had its time. It has had its yeah. time. And I don't think, um, I don't think it's done the business that no. I would have liked it to have done. I suppose in a way, but that's just from a personal thing to help my buddy out. But, but yeah, there's there's movies. I think look, if you if you're putting those two against each other, if you're looking mm. at something like Supernova, it's got the oh, gloss. No. It's got this the is, gloss, and this has got the grit. Yeah. This is the very different, very, very different films. But yeah. in terms of, like, you know, buzzworthy British films, I will say, as far as restaurant movies go, this is not sparklingly original. I mean, you could describe this as a sort of sour-faced British version of Waiting. You could describe it as a higher-caliber version of Caffeine, a movie that nobody remembers exists, except me, because it was released direct-to-DVD in 2006 and features Mina Savari with the worst British accent you have ever heard <laughs> in your life. I got to use that for a university paper once, and I am so, so proud of it entirely from memory remembered every credit it was great uh boiling point though vastly vastly superior though i don't think as fun as waiting you know i'm biased though would you recommend this i definitely would because you know what i went into this going oh, i'll give it a watch see what it's like <laughs> and i actually couldn't put it down i, I it, it's i think it's the tracking or this mm. this one you know this one shot Thing where you're following people around it really kept me engaged and i thought it was a really clever technique it wasn't perfect but mm. it was enough let's let's give that a shout out because i think it's matthew lewis who's done the cinematography on this frequent collaborator with philip barantini through because i think this is his second feature the first one is a sort of forgettable mockney gangster thing called villain starring craig fairbrass so you can <laughs> probably picture every minute of that 90 minute epic mm. um but mostly short films. Matthew Lewis seems to be his frequent collaborator, cinematographer on a lot of these. Um, there is a, a very fine balance struck between immersion and observation, I think, with this. And I, I, it, it, it does teeter on a knife edge, the way it follows the characters through that. And I think all the way up to that very bold closing shot, I do think this works quite well. Well, 
Welcome back to Off Screen. And now we're moving you from the big screen down to the small screen with all of your top free view picks for this week. Kicking off with tonight. You know, we couldn't go into the new year without <laughs> you're going to think I'm going to say a romantic comedy or something like that. No, a horror, a horror thriller. That's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to take you back to 1992 at five star at 11.15 tonight with Candyman. Don't say his name five times in the mirror. <laughs> that, did you know that was a question on the big fat quiz of the year this year? Was How do you, how do you summon the Candyman? Yes, I saw yeah. that. Yeah, and, and saw... they, they, they couldn't seem to agree, could they? I think everyone said it was three times. And yeah, anyway, but although I do like the idea that you have to say it three times to say it five times so technically james acaster did win <laughs> but uh, yeah so the 1992 candy man which you can watch this one if you sit if you if you've been waiting to see the new one that came out like three months ago the near da costa reboot call of the candy man series um this is the, the original that leads directly into those events so that's kind of a generational sequel this is the story of the chicago college professor who starts to look into the urban legend of the so-called Candyman, delving into the story of the slave who was killed in the name of forbidden love, who was mutilated and tortured, and who is now back to exact his revenge. But is he really, or is he just looking for a new love? And when you've got a narrative that complex, and you know, for a villain, who do you get but the great Tony Todd? I love that man. He's become, and this made him a staple of the horror genre. This is what gave him his creds every guy in the horror genre every every actor in the horror genre you know male or female has an iconic character to their name you know like you have uh, brad deriff has chucky robert eggland has you know freddie uh you know kane hodder has jason you've got all these all these actors have these great roles and for tony todd that is the Candyman. i say this with such love because i even have the action figure still <laughs> to this i have my mcfarlane action figure of tony wow. todd as the Candyman. this as i say led to a really great reboot call at the end of last year from near yeah the great Candyman. Check this out. Bernard Rose's 1992 original on Five Star tonight, 11.15. Good time of night for it as well. Get to sleep yeah. with a good old chill. But of course, Bex, for Saturday, we need something a bit more thrilling, a bit more actiony. Let's go for something a bit earlier in the evening as well. What you got for me? What have I got for you? I've got The Rock, of course. I mean, who else would I go for? The Rock and Nev Campbell, actually, uh, in this, which uh, it's good to see her back. There we go. There we go. It's on Channel 4 at 9.30pm. It's kind of a perfect Saturday night movie Mm. for you, really. It is Skyscraper. It's the movie that spawned the poster, that spawned the geeks, who said this could (laughs) never possibly happen. He could not jump at that angle from that crane onto the skyscraper. It became a meme in itself but you know what the movie so much fun it really is and to be honest with you i think they missed a trick not calling this rock hard personally but you know <laughs> it, it would have been a good time and of course we all remember that sequence in which he leaps over the uh, the crane to jump into the building it's good fun this one is this the one where the rock has an artificial leg i think he does doesn't he it's like oh, a I fake can't remember i mean i, I, I watched one it of his tricks yeah, I can't remember. I watched it and enjoyed it, but I didn't really take too much away from it, if you know what I mean. It's, <laughs> not, it's not a keeper. It's not one that keeps with you this one. No, yeah. it's not. It's almost like the one where he's got that... What is it that he's got that oversized gorilla that he's oh. been looking after? That was that was the one before this. I think that was Rampage because he keeps Rampage. doing the same movie. You know, the, you know, The Rock has this thing where he's not just a guy who does one job. He's always an ex something who's now doing another job, and the previous skill set is going to come into play. Kind of like Jason Statham. Jason yeah. Statham's job always comes with X hyphen before it, no matter what movie he's in. You know, X cop, 
ex-Navy SEAL, ex-Black Ops, just ex-something, and it's always military. Um, yeah. This is this is the same thing. He's a soldier who's turned into a security expert who has to John McClane his way through. Wouldn't you know it? It happens to be an expensive, state-of-the-art Chinese skyscraper because who, who loves China more than action stars? And you can see this for yourself, 9.30 tomorrow night on, on 4. It's, yeah, it's, I think it's quite a bang. It's not going to stick with you. It's not got a great villain or anything, but it's got the It's rock a great Saturday night movie. Yeah. It, yes. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, th- that's a great part towering inferno. You know, absolutely, it's a great Saturday night movie, and actually, what a great Sunday night movie is going to be mm. for you guys. It's something that will get your toes tapping. If you are a fan of Elton John, you will be wanting to learn about his life story in Rocket Man. That is on Film Four at nine o'clock on Sunday. Stars Taron Egerton playing expertly playing uh, Elton mm. John himself. We've also got Richard. Ma- Richard Madden as well, who's yep. uh, who who plays his is it his agent, his booker, manager. He, he is in fact his agent. On which note, let's have a little listen to the pair of them. What's this? Hmm? Number eleven in Italy. The song doesn't work. That's the problem. The record's coked out. Mor. The problem is you have never understood me and what I have to go through. Do you know what? I should have sacked you when you left me. I am glad I left you. It means I can maintain some objectivity on your self-indulgent, myopic little world. Get in the studio and make some music or don't. I don't care. Well, you will when your money runs out. Do your worst. In fact, take me to court. You signed contracts with me years ago, so I'll still be collecting my 20% long after you've killed yourself. That's Madden get basically throwing throwing the hammer down with Elton there. And interesting thing, I I always find it really odd that uh, Bohemian Rhapsody won so many awards. This just barely got a look in. Ah, uh, this one I think is a little bit more divisive. For me, mm, it went a bit yeah. a bit slightly more avant garde than <laughs> what people more people surreal. Just wanted. Yeah. yeah, it is more surreal. It's kind of like people really like learning, knowing the story, and sometimes yeah. that can just take a more traditional point of view it felt quite self-indulgent i mean obviously elton is a exec producer on this he's probably funded the whole thing who knows i don't think it went that far as to say he's just like dictated everything about this but there's definitely this flamboyance and this air that takes it beyond your traditional scope of movie formats you just real quick as we're pushed for time you know the story of how this came to be this movie like uh, the actual the no. version we got. So this was Tom Hardy originally. Tom Hardy was going to star in Rocket Man. It turns out Tom Hardy cannot carry a tune to save his life, and they were seriously <laughs> exploring having someone else do it, like just do the vocals. Uh, Elton then went and did Kingsman: The Golden Circle, and was allowed to do pretty much whatever he wanted, as you can see from the mm. dumpster fire that is the finished film. But because they were so accommodating to him, and he happened to take to uh, this very pretty young actor who he had all his scenes with go figure um he then decided you know what out with this mad max chap let's get this guy in instead he seems more likable apparently he was eddie the eagle the director likes him and that's how we wound up with rocket man i'd argue also, we, we got a better Tar- movie out of it yeah and also taron edgerton can sing because he can, was yeah. in sing so exactly. you know yeah. yeah i think that makes sense right let's move swiftly on and we're gonna just coast past a couple of more picks on here which is on tuesday night we've got american animals on film for 11 50 p.m quite Hang a on, late we've one sp- 
we skipped Monday, as we can't <gasps> deny Julia her Oscar. She won an Oscar for this Monday Sorry, night. Gang. Five star, eleven thirty. Julia Roberts's Oscar win this one. Erin Brockovich, which is now a Disney Plus TV series, would you believe, starring Katie Segal? Wow. Okay. Well, look, yeah. it is. Sorry, sorry to coast by you, Julia. That smile. <laughs> I don't know how I went past it and didn't notice it. Erin um, Brockovich, probably Julia Roberts. Well, quite well deserved Oscar winning movie, and you know, it is also one of her finest movies that I think we've seen mm. out there. So perfect for a Monday night for you. Five star, eleven thirty p.m. Coasting on to Tuesday, American Animals on Film Four at eleven fifty p.m. I will always pick this one because I think it's a movie everybody should watch. Half documentary, half narrative feature. Um, stars, uh, oh, what's his name? Evan, uh, you know, from WandaVision and American Horror Story. And I can never oh, remember. Evan it. Peters. That's it. Yeah, Quicksilver. Evan Peters. Stars Ev- Evan Peters and uh, Barry Keehan. And it's this is an absolutely bonkers true story of an art heist at an American community college in which we get a documentary portion in which the actual guys tell us what they did and why they did it, and the actors go and do it. And it's really well done. It'll keep you guessing. It's a great movie. Barry Keen, absolutely brilliant in it. Just, just go and see it purely for Barry Keen. Um, beyond that, another movie, uh, Wednesday night, Paramount, 10 p.m., actioner that I have to recommend over and over again. And also, I think one of John Travolta's fine hours because he's the villain in this it is the 2004 adaptation Jonathan Hensley's adaptation of The Punisher starring Thomas Jane this one goes full grit nasty this is back when Marvel were just selling off the rights here there and everywhere to all their films Lionsgate made this and they made this as a hard R-rated action thriller and it's great it's a genuinely great movie I would argue probably the best attempt anyone made to do the Punisher until the second season of Daredevil and uh, John Bernthal, which has its fans and has its detractors, but I think this is arguably the best. But let's talk about a Stone Cold Classic, Bex. Thursday night, round out our week, 9pm, great movies. What you got for us? Well, I've got a little trip to Jack Rabbit Slims for you because uh, <laughs> this is the movie that is one of my favourite movies of all time. I think it's a lot of people's favourite movies of all time. It's the Quentin it Tarantino classic that is Pulp Fiction. You have Halloween dress-ups as Mia Wallace for years <laughs> to come. You have the amazing slickness of all of its cast. It reinvented and re-emerged John Travolta back it into is. the spotlight. It created an iconic monologue for Samuel L. Jackson and it just brought Zed back from the dead. And you know what they call a, a, a quarter pounder with cheese uh, in Paris? They don't call it a quarter pounder with cheese? I mean, they get the metric system. They wouldn't know what the quarter pounder is. And what do they call it? They call it the Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. That's right. What do they call a Big Mac? Big Mac's a Big Mac, but they call it Le Big Mac. Le Big Mac. <laughs> what do they call a Whopper? I don't know. I didn't go on a Burger King. You know what they put on french fries in Holland instead of ketchup? What? Mayonnaise. Hey. <laughs> I've seen them do it, man. They drown them in it. You know what it also did? We never give it credit for this. It also revived the career of Bruce Willis. Like well, he never gets, I mean. yeah, yeah, he never get never gets credit for that. Bruce Willis, we all forget, was on a real downslope. About yeah. 93, 94. I mean, 
find me anybody who's even seen Striking Distance, his speedboat action thriller, also co-starring Sarah Jessica Parker as his love interest, and I'll find you a liar. But, <laughs> you know, but yeah, Pulp Fiction, what a way to round out the week. 9pm Thursday, perfect time for it as well. You can be tucked away in your bed by midnight. You know, it's it's a long Lovely. film, but yeah, with adverts. It's a long but great be, film. Uh, you, can, you can be in the land of Nod for midnight, and you can be doing so having seen out your week with a stone-cold Tarantino classic. Welcome back for one last ride off screen and Bex. Let's go down that uh, that DVD and Blu-ray aisle for one choice picking because I don't know if you're aware of this and you know how I uh, I wanted to start your new year with a smile, you know, start as we mean to go on. So as it happens, this week on DVD and Blu-ray, the big new release is a net. Oh, f- off. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna let you have that. We'll have that with a bleep. You can have that. <laughs> You're like, we don't do it very often. I think that film deserved it. <laughs> so but, may we start, as the film oh would say. Oh, my God. No. Avoid, like, the plague or the pandemic. Avoid, like, well, yeah, <laughs> Self-isolate from this movie. Yeah. Oh um, what, one that you don't need to self-isolate from, uh, you know, luckily, is... Uh, well, I mean, it's not brilliant, but it's a bit middle of the road, but it's not great. Coming to streaming on uh, the 7th of January, which is obviously today. Well, let's, in fact, let's talk about the other films out today, because we've already reviewed Mother Android mm. with Chloe Moretz. That is on Netflix today. Um, okay. Also out today, and this we reviewed a few weeks ago, this is the new movie directed by George Clooney, stars Ben Affleck and Ty Sheridan, and it's The Tender Bar. Um, this has been, this is uh, J.R. Moringa's uh, memoir that got adapted by, is it William Monaghan? William Monaghan, I think, did The Departed, adapted this for the screen. Uh, story of, you know, coming of age story, young man's time, growing up in his uncle's bar. I know a lot of guys that think they're writers, and you'll find in life that most of them are not. Here's the thing. You gotta have it. I don't know what it is, but if you don't have it immediately, you never get it. I say you got it. Oh, I knew it. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. There's just, there's, there's something. Calm down. I didn't say you were good. I said, you know, you could be. I think Ben Affleck was by far the best thing out of this. Everyone wants he an Uncle Charlie. He was great in this, yeah. yeah. Yeah, everyone wants an Uncle Charlie. The thing is, this movie just never really kind of takes flight like it should, but it's it, it, it's a good movie in itself. If you want to kind of watch like a Wonder Years kind of look and feel uh, set in the 70s kind of uh, movie, then this is, is good. Ty Sheridan's good in this. You yeah. know, it's, it, it, that's all we can say about it. It's like, it's good. It's I just, okay. <laughs> I just I just find myself thinking only George Clooney could have the unmitigated balls to go up to Ben Affleck, going through everything he was going through at the time, and say, do you want to just come and spend, like, three months hanging out in a bar? Just seems yeah, like the ouch. dumbest move imaginable. Uh, going to, uh, well, Saturday. They've got a hell of a one for Saturday. <gasps> so, on Amazon Prime, this one's a classic. It stars one of the most beloved actors of the last century, the great Robin Williams. It is, of course... Dead Poet Society. Oh, Captain, my captain. My captain. I was just about to say that because mm-hmm. how can you not say that when you're talking about Dead Poet Society? I could watch this film every over over, month. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, and, you know, when you think of, like, Robert, Robin Williams coming out, things like Mork and Mindy and all this like, kind of stuff, and then he throws you something like this, it's just incredible to see the, the depth and breadth of him. Have you ever thought about how weird that is? Like, he was a sitcom actor 
who just yeah. turned out to be this, this one of the great entertainers of particularly our generation and the two before us as well. Yeah. The, two, the two before us as well. Just imagine a sitcom actor today with that level of ability. Like, I don't see Jim Parsons knocking that out anytime soon. You know what I mean? Is- I don't... Maybe Neil Patrick Harris, possibly, but that'd be no, about it. No, he's not... He's not... He's not in, there was only one Robin Williams and there was so much that made him so iconic and, you know, gone but never, ever forgotten is is Robin Williams and you can re-watch films like this just to remind yourself of how great he was. I think uh, Mrs. But- Doubtfire is usually over on Netflix. You can usually find Mrs. Doubtfire as well on Netflix. Yeah, so anything mm. like that. I just, you know, any, any even Flubber. You could even watch <laughs> Flubber. Flubber's <laughs> a classic. still love him. Um, moving swiftly on, though, from Dead Poets Society is another great film. Actually, it's a film that made me really enjoy watching Wes Anderson movies mm. and that is not the French Dispatch it is <laughs> Gra- the Grand Budapest Hotel I love this film and this is a film where you just definitely think that Ray Fiennes should do more comedy because he's yes. so damn good at it mm. This is the thing is this is Ray Fiennes by way of Peter Sellers because it's a mm. very Peter Sellers performance and the whole production has that energy of this is what would have happened if we'd had an author capable of you know generating a film that looked like this back when Peter Sellers was alive. And it works. It's an incredible movie. I mean, the way that it employs different styles of filmmaking, up to and including stop motion and, and, and yeah. uh, paper anima- paper cut animations. Really great movie. Um, also, Tony Revolori. I adore Tony Revolori in this and his, his relationship with Saoirse Ronan, which is very sweet, mm. very tender. But of course, it's a Wes Anderson movie. So it's got that all-star cast as well, including you know Edward Norton and uh, F. Adrian Abraham, Brody. Adrian Brody. This is the Tilda thing. Swinton. I, yeah, I can go through this cast list with you, reel off fifty names, and I'll still miss ten. I'll still forget ten. Yeah. It's a Wes Anderson movie, the, isn't it? Every time you watch a Wes Anderson movie, you kind of go. The first thing you kind of go to is who's in it. He's yes. in it again, you know? <laughs> well, he's he's the new Woody Allen, effectively. That's yeah. what it seems to have happened. He has, I think, supplanted Woody Allen as this is where you go for the acting troupe. This is where the top-tier cast list goes. I mean, mm-hmm. there's really him or Nolan, but Nolan's not quite as broad with it. And I, I love that. I think it really works. And I like that his, his animation style has led to other other you know solo animation ventures like Isle of Dogs, Fantastic Mr. Oh, Fox, things yeah. like that. And uh, it does, the French Dispatch doesn't quite work, but his fans do seem to adore it. One that, other one that does seem to be quite adored, so much so that I put this on my top 10 of last year list on the 12th of January, which is next Thursday, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Next Thursday. Um, mm-hmm. Amazon Prime are adding The Father, starring oh. Best Actor winner, Anthony, well, twice Best Actor winner, Anthony Hopkins. This was a great one, wasn't it? This this was a masterclass from Anthony Hopkins. Whatever you thought about the Oscars last year mm. uh, and whatever you were expecting from the Best Actor winner, the best man won in this um, because I think Sir Anthony Hopkins pulled off something that I think is heartbreaking, mesmerizing. Mm-hmm. You know, this was based on a play, was it? This this was this was based on Florian Zeller's own play. He won the, yeah. the Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay. This took home, home two Oscars. It was Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Actor. Uh, you yeah. said that the Best Actor won. I will argue the Best Living Actor uh, won this one because there was the expectation that this was going to go to Chadwick Boseman. And yeah. the narrative had been played 
as such with the ceremony that had it ended with a posthumous win for Chadwick Boseman and uh, his widow was going to accept uh, on his behalf. This was apparently all prepped and everybody was expecting this was how it was going to go. Uh, but Anthony Hopkins won and he didn't expect to win so much so that because he was <laughs> shielding and everything from COVID, he wound up accidentally creating problems for the poor production team of the Oscars because he couldn't do a Zoom call at four in the morning. Who yeah. could? Only maniacs like you and I were up at four in the morning doing video links for the Oscars. Absolutely. You know, it's the man's like 83. Give him a break. He doesn't exactly. want to be up at four in the morning unless he's going for a wee. It's... I'm 38 and I don't want to be up at four in the morning, let alone 80. Jesus. <laughs> uh, well, the father is definitely worth your time. If you didn't catch it in the last award season, mm. definitely, definitely do. And something else that Van is going to tell you now to definitely, definitely catch when it comes out on streaming is... Eternals is finally coming to streaming on Thursday. So this is coming to Disney Plus free access. Um, this is something of a controversial Marvel Studios movie, as in this is the one that didn't make a billion dollars and become universally loved the second it was released. Um, I can't quite understand that personally because I, I think you it's really loved it. I think it's contrarianism. I find it incredibly interesting that as soon as when Chloe Zhao directs Nomadland and The Rider and things like that, she's you know she's the hottest ticket in town. But God forbid she you know do anything that is designed to make money. I mean, I kind of love that. And she's since gone on to saying that she wants to do other genre projects like Star Wars and things like that. And I I hope she does. I hope she only makes you know franchise IP things for the rest of her life just to spite the cardigans because the way they treated Eternals was downright disgraceful. I think this is a really fun, really vivid, really bright and inventive film. As you can hear, right here. Cut! Okay, everyone, that was good. I think we can do 10% better. That was beautiful. Very, very good. Ah! <laughs> My friends from college are here. Oh, boss! Perfect timing! Welcome to the set of Shandar Dastane Icarus. I'm playing you! You like the costume? We need to talk. Tell the director I have some notes for him. We need to talk to you in private. Oh, Karan, he's worked with me for 50 years. I trust him completely. Actually, when we first met, he thought I was a vampire, and he tried to stake me through the heart. I've apologized so many times. Not quite enough times. Very close, though. I'll let you know. Oh, I have to get ready for the next scene. Come to my tent. We'll talk there. Kumail Nanjiani. You had me at Kumail. I'm not going to lie. You, you <laughs> always get me when you cast Kumail in anything. But uh, you've not seen uh, Eternal. No, Day, I've not you? seen this, but I will do it on your recommendation because when it mm. comes out on Disney+, Plus, because I think, you know, you talk about the cardigans, and I think <laughs> from, from a critic's point of view, I don't know anyone that is as passionate and knowledgeable about Marvel and as you are. And you, you get the intricacies. You'll call it out if it's not a good film and you'll say if it is, you know, very honestly about this. So, mm. and actually when I've gone and watched something within this franchise that you've recommended, you've not been mm. wrong. So I trust your view. This Even is, if it this is, is different to everyone else's. <laughs> this is a lot more old school sci-fi for Marvel as well. This is like the ancient aliens theory. You know, this is like the yeah. pyramids were built to dock space stations. Is this like Stargate? Kind of like, this is kind of like Stargate. In fact, it's, close, in. it's closer to Dune. Imagine if Dune had to have a Starbucks in it and you'd basically have this movie. Wow. That's what it is. If it, had to have, if it had to have a Starbucks and a volcano in it, that's what you'd get. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. So that is the Eternals. Watch out for Dune with a Starbucks, and you won't be dissatisfied from it. But that's, um, that's it. I'm now going to call it that forever. Eternals <laughs> is Dune with a Starbucks and a volcano. That is it. So, so we started this block by telling you very much to avoid Annette and very much to uh, embrace the Eternals, and that kind of rounds off our streaming DVD and Blu-ray section for this week. 
You know who's back next week, though, because you've already mentioned her in, in relation to Skyscraper in the freeview section. Nev Campbell's back on screens next week. Is she screaming? She's screaming Scream, as it's called, or Scream 5, or 5 Cream, or I, I think they should call it 5 Cream. Like, just change, cream. The, yeah, change cream. the S to a 5 and just call it 5 Cream. We'll call yeah. it Scream, we'll verbalise it as Scream. That's, it's only ever going to get called Scream, because when you went to the sequels, you said, can I just have a ticket for Scream? We'll just call it Scream, that's fine. But 5 Cream, it's 5 Cream to us. And that is out next week alongside Cyrano, which we get to look oh, forward yeah. to. And the much-delayed final instalment of the Hotel Transylvania series, Hotel Transylvania 4 Transformania is out on Amazon Prime next week, so we can look forward to reviewing those three next week. Cyrano with Peter Dinklage, Five Cream or Scream Five or Scream, whatever you want to call it, which is going to have the returning Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette uh, ensemble, and of course, Hotel Transylvania Transformania, which doesn't star Adam Sandler, it is worth pointing out. Oh, interesting. Mm. Well, that has been a rip-roaring start to 2022 for all of you guys. If you guys are thinking, I'm just staying in and hibernating and wanting to watch <laughs> some great movies, then hopefully you'll have something to pick from our great selection this week. But for now, I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Van Connor, and we shall return. <laughs>